So I'm still trying to uh, figure out how to do this in uh, half an hour or less. And we're on an or less uh, chunks. But I hope the way that the uh, outline has been uh, printed for you, if you're on the side with, um, you know, looks like one, two, three, four, five different kind of sections of the bold black text. Um, uh, then that's uh, that's the outline that we're working from. The flip side is description of the whole course. But this entire page uh, that we're working from is initially designed to be uh, one three-hour lecture. Um, uh, and so uh, it would have been uh, just an hour and a half uh, ago or so that we would have uh, gone over the Deuteronomy 4 through 8 principle uh, and the display that God makes uh, in his people on earth uh, of the glory and the greatness of having a God who is near to us and has given us good commandments. He is near to us. We know what he is like because he has redeemed us for himself. And then he's given us good commandments so that we may be holy as he is holy and make display of what he is like even in our own imperfect copies that he is making out of our lives. Uh, this is not merely a New Testament principle. Uh, this is something that was given to Israel as their purpose. Uh, and one of the things that God gave to the Mosaic administration of his church uh, uh, on earth uh, was a smaller portion uh, and weaker portion of the outworking of those things. Uh, so that when he... Uh, when he brought the case against Israel, uh, especially in the book of Isaiah, uh, he would promise that there is one coming, a servant who is coming, and the people would be so much more like they should be uh, when that servant comes, that he would not only atone for their sin, but he would turn them into Israel as Israel should be, Jerusalem as Jerusalem should be, uh, that the nations would then come streaming in uh, desiring to be uh, like the new servant has made them. Uh, and Jesus is that servant. Jesus is the prophet like Moses, but greater. He is uh, the son over the house, not just the servant in the house. He is the forever king uh, for whom, about whom uh, David wrote a psalm for his son Solomon, one that we love to sing, Psalm 72, that was either for the coronation of Solomon or for the inauguration of the temple of Solomon or both, uh, talking about the forever king who would actually make his people to be righteous like he is and fearers of God, uh, which of course did not occur under Solomon, much, uh, much the opposite. And we have seen all of the falling short of Psalm 72 uh, as we have been working our way through 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Um, so uh, that's one of the reasons why the diaconal ministry is so important is because it's part of what belongs to that administration of the covenant of grace that is worldwide through all the nations with Jesus sitting on the throne of heaven, not only presiding over the church in glory, uh, the, the assembly of the firstborn and the souls of the just made perfect, what we would call the invisible church, to, uh, which uh, eventually will have all of its members added as they're delivered from this world, uh, but also as the covenant head of a visible church on earth. Uh, and the way we conduct ourselves 
uh, reflects upon our prophet, priest, uh, and king, uh, even in earthly assemblies, even in the visible church. Uh, and it's supposed to be a good reflection. It's supposed to be light and salt, light over against darkness. Uh, those who withstand and stand uh, in the evil day against the assaults of, uh, of the devil in the everyday nitty-gritty of life. <clears throat> so uh, it wasn't just an hour and a half or two hours ago that we, uh, uh, that we did uh, Deuteronomy 4 through 8, uh, but you can kind of see uh, by using the black text and you know, probably by the time we finish doing it uh, this way, um, uh, I'll have figured out how to do it helpfully. So uh, I'm sorry, but uh, hopefully you can kind of see in the scope where we are. We're still on the nation of grace and how a big part of this uh, nation of grace isn't just uh, how they became a nation and how uh, then at the end of um, uh, their slavery in Egypt, God constituted them uh, a nation uh, and a church, uh, but also in the ongoing laws that he gave them, laws uh, that uh, addressed especially how to love your brother in Israel as a church and your neighbor uh, in Israel as a state, uh, and therefore uh, with a special focus on the poor and the slave uh, and uh, and the sojourner. Uh, so the sojourner would especially be your neighbor in that case uh, and not your brother. Uh, and this is still true today, even uh, even in what we will read about the, the widow who gets put on the payroll as this full-time praying widow, not as a widow under affliction, but as a widow who has no one, but she has such a, um, such a vital ministry of prayer, uh, and then we'll find out in Titus 2, it, uh, you know, the same uh, and godly example that is instructive to the younger woman, not the inauguration of women in the church, um, uh, Bible studies and things like that uh, in Titus 2, uh, that, that these women who are on the payroll as the 24-7 uh, praying, one of the things that they've done is uh, they've not just uh, submitted to their husband, loved one husband, uh, been a one-man woman and reared their children and kept the house, uh, but they have lodged strangers and they have washed the saints' feet and especially taken care of those who are under under affliction. Uh, and so the, the brother and the neighbor, and then especially the afflicted among brother and neighbor. So this aspect of the everyday godliness of the one who is learning to live in fellowship with God and as an expression of what God is like in our own lives, uh, it continues today. Uh, diaconal ministry, of course, extends uh, to uh, brother and neighbor and the afflicted. Uh, uh, but as, uh, as we're seeing, uh, it is a, a subcategory of that everyday nitty-gritty life in Christ uh, that, that hopefully we are learning to love and live over against this living for idleness, living for pleasure, living for entertainment, living for comfort uh, that is not a uniquely American idol, 
Uh, it is, uh, of course, an idolatry that belongs to, to every people in every age. But boy, are we uniquely uh, suited to worship that idol. Uh, and so the recovery uh, of this all-day, everyday life in the home, and then as God gives opportunity and in his providence gives us our various roles, extending from the home uh, is necessary. Now, one, uh, one aspect of that that we uh, began, uh, I think, two weeks ago thinking about, and I'd like to finish this week uh, so that we can finish uh, section C of the, of the uh, second big section of the course, because, of course, next week, Lord willing, we'll be having Q&A with Ryan, um, with Dr. McGraw during this time. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to finish this so we're not two weeks uh, extended um, when we come back and we can start uh, the next section, which actually is uh, some of the prosecution that God brings against his uh, against the church under the Sinaitic administration against the Mosaic administ- uh, under the Mosaic administration uh, for their freedom to for their the accusation that, that the accusation that he uh, brings for their failure sorry I saw the word freed on the outline for their failure to walk in these things uh, so we're in Deuteronomy 15 read verse 12 through 18. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press. Um, and now I know not all of you use uh, the New King James, uh, and I was going to read this whole thing, but I just want to say, you run into one of these social justice left-leaning people that you can now find in churches that have reformed somewhere in their tag or identity or call themselves Presbyterian. You just bring them and say, you know what? I'm a liberal. I'm a liberal from Deuteronomy uh, 15, and I believe that liberals should supply a, supply others from their own flock, from their own hand, from their own threshing floor, and from their own wine press, not from other people's. Um, that is uh, the old good use of the term liberal. It just means generous. Um, but uh, telling someone they're welcome to rob your neighbor and uh, and you'll uh, hold them at gunpoint under threat of imprisonment for non-payment of taxes uh, while they rob them is not generosity. Um, so you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what Yahweh your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and Yahweh your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Now, think about this. This is a master who is releasing his slave at the end of the seventh year. And he's got, um, he's got you know, donkeys loaded with sacks of grain and 
uh, and wine skins and uh, you know whatever uh, jars of uh, of olive oil uh, and sheep and goats uh, and he's the sheep and goats aren't on the donkeys they're around the donkeys uh, but this is the picture kids uh, a, a man who has been this man's uh, slave uh, and this is very different isn't it than the the picture of slavery that we often think of and it's different than the flesh uh, wants to make slavery this is over against what the flesh wants to make slavery uh, and he's got all of these things that he's about to go away with and uh, and start his own distinct or resume his own distinct separate household and he gets to the gate to go off the property and he's uh, and he's about to be um, uh, he's about to be uh, about to be free and he can't leave because he loves the man too much and he'd rather be in his household the the word of god has been uh, as a sign upon uh, upon this gate and upon the doorposts of the house and this man that he is about to leave uh, has been teaching the word of god to the whole household whenever they rise up and whenever they lay down and it's been established uh, in the operations of the whole household, that whenever they go out and whenever they come in, they're talking about what the Bible says about what they're about to do and what they're doing. And whenever some some topic of conversation comes up, so that the Bible has been like a front lip between their eyes and everything they look at, they interpret through the Bible and the, as bound to their hands, everything they do, they talk about and do uh, and interpret uh, as done according to the Bible. And this slave, who perhaps because of his poverty or whatever else, you, you all know you've, you've had times in your life where other things were distracting you. And, uh, and you were not walking with God and you were not growing spiritually, but he's been in the house of a godly man for seven years. And it's not just been financial rehabilitation because the financial rehabilitation is going out that gate with him. But there has been a rehabilitation of recognizing God as the provider of all things and the love that is between such men as have that recognition. And he doesn't want to leave with all these things. He wants to have the ear piercing ceremony and to put the the animals back in into the flocks and to put the the grain and the wine and the oil back into storage so that he could continue in this man's house now none of you asked me about anecdotes about lee uh, and jackson um maybe we can do that some other time maybe i'm just so busy that you'll actually have to like write or text or uh get together with me during the week for that um uh, but these are aspects of uprightness in the way we want to do our charity. There is no way that government-run charity is going to produce an effect like this. And you know what else? It is very suboptimal to have kind of this centralized diaconal fund uh, in which uh, funds are just kind of dispensed in the background 
rather than uh, uh, a diaconal ministry that is overseeing uh, brothers helping one another uh, reflect the character of God in the interconnected life of the congregation, and then even with you and your particular neighbors who are assigned to you by God's providence who would have uh, not had the same privileges and you wouldn't be under the same level of obligation. First, the household of faith. Uh, But there is established uh, in God's law for the sojourner. Similarly, this in this case, uh, however, this is definitely the brother he very, very specifically uh, describes, uh, uh, gives us that information uh, in verse 12. Uh, And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. You've got to read the word prospers there uh, the, the way I hope that I have helped you think about the word prospers because prosperity is going out the door with him if he leaves, if we're just talking materially. The Lord's just finished commanded that, right? Prosperity to God is not material. The rich man who thinks that way at the end of uh, 1 Timothy 6 is a special object of the ministry of Timothy, lest he be deluded by his riches and be spiritually poor. Okay? Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servant you shall do likewise. This is a huge... Uh, this is a, a, a huge uh, occurrence because they've been brought now into another household. This means uh, that that his inheritance is now within this tribe and this clan. He might not have been from this tribe or this clan. He might have been uh, from this tribe or this clan. But this is is a Hebrew, generally speaking. Uh, And if we've been paying attention uh, to how the continuity of inheritance within tribe and clan is so important, uh, this really catches our attention. It's almost like when 1 Peter 3 talks about uh, the wife of a difficult husband and he's not saying, uh, you know, if, you're, if your husband is difficult, you don't really have to submit to him so much as the other wives do. And he says it's even more important. You keep submitting to him. You maintain a gentle and quiet spirit with him. You even call him Lord like Sarah called Abraham Lord, uh, and you're like, oh, he ain't no Abraham. No, he's not. He's a hard master like the hard men at the end of 1 Peter 2 were. But then he says this, this thing that catches our attention, that he might be one without a word or without the word. In the middle of a Bible, in which God says, like Psalm 138, he's exalted his word above all his name and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And this is one. So when the Lord does things that go against the grain of the way it should catch our attention. And the loving one another in material things and the opportunity to do one another spiritual good uh, by the, the ministry in material things uh, is strongly highlighted, I think, by verse 17. Uh, also to your uh, female servant, you shall do 
likewise, it shall not seem hard to you if you send him away free from you. Okay, so uh, if you've been hoping you're a godly master uh, and he's turned out to be a, a servant who over seven years you have loved, you have shepherded, you have taught, uh, and now you're providing for him like a son as he goes out. Um, and uh, uh, he says, you know, don't have empty nest syndrome for your, for your servant if you, have, if you send him out and he doesn't choose to do the verse 17 ceremony. Um, it shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant and serving you six years, and Yahweh your God will bless you uh, in all that you do. Um, so, uh, uh, again, we can't let uh, slavery be uh, like a curse word to us. Uh, let sin be the curse word, and let sin what let what sin has done to slavery be the curse. Uh, slavery itself, uh, if operated in the way that the Lord commanded it for his people, uh, is far better than any nation has ever come up with for how to deal with the poor, how to deal with the fact that in a world that does have plenty, sin means that we are wanting. All right, right now, that's something that's very much on the mind of a lot of people, especially in the younger generation, right? They, they have been taught, instead of doing anything about it, being productive, you know, getting converted, becoming generous with their own neighbors, they have been taught to have this virtual indignation in which they are mad at everyone and complain about everyone and do destructive things as a display of how upset they are that the world has plenty, but people go without. Well, the world, people go without not because governments are not redistributing wealth well enough. People go without because men are sinners. And the solution of sin is first, in the righteousness and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the solution for the effects of sin are those who have been uh, joined to Christ through faith then living according to Christ's word by the grace that is shaping them according to Christ. Right? So they need, they need the counterpart, God's own Bible counterpart to the mess that they are believing uh, from everything that is is in a very accelerated, intensified way now because of the availability of information and the manipulation of information uh, that, that we have uh, in the Internet age. Uh, they, they need churches uh, that are practicing according to what the Lord says so that they can see examples in their neighbors who are Christians, something that actually works. Because generations of man thinking he can be his own solution through government have failed. But what these Jesus fanatics next door are doing, that's actually working with respect to the people that God has put around them.
um, and working even better with respect to the people that they gather with for worship, among whom some were poor, but in what the Lord Jesus was doing among them. You remember early in Acts, they had no poor among them uh, because of what the Lord was, and we said, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a golden slice in time, isn't it? Um, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the Jerusalem church. Well, you have that uh, description there. We need to, oh, let's, let's see if we can do 16 verses in Leviticus in five minutes. Um, Leviticus 25. Now, this is not our first visit to Leviticus 25. We've, uh, we've already covered um, what to do with the poor uh, in verses 34 through 38 in um, previous parts of what was supposed to be uh, one extended lecture. Uh, beginning now in verse 39. If one of your brethren who dwells by you, uh, by you becomes poor, again, note the word brethren, and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant and a sojourner, he shall be with you. And he shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall depart from you, he and his children with him. He shall return to his own family. He shall return to the possession of his fathers. For they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear your God. And as for your male and female slaves, whom you may have from the nations that are around you, from them you may buy male and female slaves. Moreover, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell among you and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land, and they shall become your property. And you may take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them as a possession. They shall be your permanent slaves. But regarding your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. Now, if a sojourner or stranger close to you becomes rich, and one of your brethren who dwells by him becomes poor, and sells himself to the stranger or the sojourner close to you, or to a member of the stranger's family, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or anyone who is near of kin to him and his family may redeem him, or if he is able, he may redeem himself. Thus he shall reckon with him who bought him. The price of his release shall be according to the number of years from the year that he was sold to him until the year of Jubilee. It shall be according to the time of a hired servant for him. If there are still many years remaining, according to them, he shall repay the price of his redemption from the money with which he was bought. And if there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, then he shall reckon with him, and according to his years, he shall repay him the price of his redemption. He shall be with him as a yearly hired servant, and he shall not rule with vigor over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed in these years, then he shall be released in the year of Jubilee, he and his children with him. For the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. Uh, and so uh, just to uh, abbreviate the, 
the teaching of that passage as a whole, and you can already see, uh, you can just read uh, uh, bullet uh, C there on your outline if you want. Uh, but one of the uh, one of the issues was not just that you wanted to prosper uh, your brother financially and prosper uh, your brother spiritually, but you also wanted to maintain his dignity. You did not treat him less uh, as a slave, and even if he was a slave in a foreigner's house, uh, you were trying to get him out of there the whole time he was there, uh, and his price would be lowered. Um, according to the year of Jubilee, because the amount of time that the foreigner could keep him was limited uh, by the length of time uh, until the year of Jubilee. And so uh, in our, uh, in our uh, diaconal ministry with one another, there is and mu there must be this, uh, this principle, this priority on, upon maintaining the brother's dignity. Uh, one of the one of the things that's going to be necessary for this is having a corporate mindset, uh, in which uh, if there's a family that's uh, that's in a season of uh, of you know that season that you talk about when you're out of it uh, later, like I say, oh well, now there was a time we had five kids under seven, uh, then the rest of the congregation uh, has been appointed to do things like. Um, uh, like help with uh, housekeeping and meal making and lawn mowing uh, and whatever will free up more uh, opportunity for family worship in the house and actual child training and discipline and the kinds of things uh, that I know from experience uh, fall by the wayside when you're just trying not to drown. Um, but that also happens in other ways. It happens through illness and injury. Uh, that happens through job loss uh, and financial difficulty. Uh, and we need to take all of the providence of God uh, uh, that he gives us as uh, an, a corporate appointment to the congregation so that those who are in times of need uh, don't view themselves with less dignity because the rest of the congregation is viewing it as an opportunity to display how good Christ is, that he transforms Christians. Uh, and that's not going to become a corporate value uh, in an antinomian context in which you, everybody just kind of you know, goes around with their shoulders hunched like Eeyore and says, Christians are just the same as everybody else. Uh, we're we're uh, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. We're all just bad. Growth and holiness doesn't even happen. We should stop talking about holiness because that's legalism. And uh, y'all are laughing, but um, they don't actually do it with the Eeyore voice. I'm just giving you this this filter. I'm putting on the Bible glasses so that you can see that what they call grace is just the spiritual equivalent of being Eeyore about the possibility of actually transformed people fo functioning in actually transformed communities because that's what Christ does to those whom he is saving. Uh, and we need to pray God that, uh, that he would uh, pour out his spirit and actually convert uh, 
the majority of those who are in the visible church. Because what we're describing here cannot happen with people faking a relationship with Jesus because they've been taught some flimsy decisionism that doesn't actually produce holiness because decisions don't save anybody. Jesus does. And he produces holiness when he saves people. Uh, so what we're looking for uh, as we look for a diaconal ministry and then deacons whom the Lord calls and gifts and, uh, and puts among us as those who oversee that ministry is actually part and parcel with this Reformed theology that says Jesus saves and it makes a difference. All right, we've got to pray. We've got to go. Let's pray. Oh, our Father, how we thank you that we may call you Father. And we thank you that you have purposed in yourself to save us from before the world began and that the purposing which you, uh, the salvation which you purposed in yourself is something that you have accomplished uh, in your Son and that that salvation which he has accomplished, you are applying by your Spirit. We bless your name, our triune God. Uh, how we thank you even now as we pray for uh, the upcoming conference and the opportunity uh, to, um, uh, to hear and think deeply uh, about uh, your triune nature uh, as you have uh, taught us of yourself in your word. And we pray, Lord, that that would come out in the life of our church and in the ministry uh, in material things and how we spend our time and money, uh, especially ministering to one another uh, and then also to our neighbor. Uh, we pray, Lord, for your continued blessing upon these Sabbath school lessons, uh, that what your spirit does with them would be transforming in each of our own minds and hearts an approach to our everyday life and our role in the household, our role in the congregation, and that you would be using them also to prepare and raise up men uh, who would lead us uh, in our life and those things. Now help us, O oh God, as we go uh, to the worship assembly uh, to grow by the grace of Christ and by the knowing of Christ, which you have given us especially in the means of that grace through which we know him as the one who leads us in the worship that he gathers, uh, both in the congregation on earth and by faith, uh, to join that congregation in glory. Uh, bring praise and honor and glory to yourself, O God, through Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen.